the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He polls. Republican Senator Mike Lee used the Republicans' weekly radio address to call for policies that better enable poor Americans to improve their lot in life. We have too many Americans trapped in poverty, sometimes for generations, and often because the dysfunctional big government programs that are supposed to help them only make it harder. The president delivered his weekly radio address this week on Thanksgiving Day. Breaking news and analysis at townhall.com. This is a paid program and is provided for informational purposes only. Buckle up and settle in for a full hour of automotive mayhem with the real car guy, master technician, Mark Salem, where the only two things we can't fix is a broken heart and the crack of dawn. To talk to Mark, call 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Now, once again, here's Mark. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Mark Salem, and for the next couple of hours, if you're anywhere close, you can stick with me. We're talking about car, car repair problems, estimates, all kinds of car stuff. And my job is to help you wade through the car repair um, business and uh, to arm you with things to say and things to look out for and things to do so that you can uh, appropriately handle whatever it is that uh, that you need and I'm t- I, I want to arm you with uh, ideas and things to help you I want to promise you that there's probably a 10 percent 20 percent of our industry that actually has their interests in front of your own I know lots and lots of shops in the Phoenix area in the Arizona area that have the customers interest in front of their own and that's evident when they say to you I don't think you should spend $1,400 for the rack and pinion assembly. I think we should try some stop leak, or I think we should try some brake fluid. I think we should try something and just see if we can get you by, because in reality, you don't even know if you're going to keep this car another year, and there's no sense in spending that kind of money. That's the kind of conversation you're likely to have. Nevertheless, let me tell you about a great shop in Phoenix. This portion of Under the Hood is brought to you by Automatic Transmission Exchange. They've been in the Phoenix area since 1968. They diagnose and repair transmissions. They overhaul transmissions as well, but that's not the biggest part of their business. It's diagnostics and then repairing the specific problem. Transmission repairs and replacements done by Automatic Transmission Exchange have gone to the next level in providing excellent products that meet or exceed the original equipment manufacturer specifications. The acronym for that is OEM, Original Equipment Manufacturer. So their transmission that they're building meets or exceeds the specifications of the one that failed. So you can be assured they're not cutting corners and putting cheap parts. So if you live in Central Phoenix, Automatic Transmission Exchange is located at 40th Street in Washington, and they're now open on Saturdays from 8 to 2 for your convenience. That's Automatic Transmission Exchange. All righty, my, uh, the phone lines. Let's start with the phone line, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. Jeremy, can you talk to me right now? 
probably not. And the, and all I wanted to say to you, Jeremy, is, is I think this is a mix-minus thing. I looked in my history of problems on my end, and typically the uh, the echo is a mix-minus uh, uh, button or something like that. But I just thought I'd throw that in just in case. Nevertheless, uh, 602 Paul, good morning to you. How can I help you? Hello, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, this concerns a 2010 Kia Soul that will eventually need new tires. Uh, could you explain to me the tire pressure monitoring sensors, how they're maintained or replaced, and how this relates to a tire change? Okay. Oh, that's easy. That's easy. The tire pressure monitoring system is a uh, safety device to let the driver know if one of the tires is either overinflated or underinflated. As with all government kinds of things, there is no continuity from car to car. So let me explain. Perhaps on car A, let's just call it a Chevy. If a Chevy truck has a TPMS, then what happens is is that we want the tire to be at 32, so maybe we go up above at 5 and down below at 5, so we have a 10-pound window there. And as long as you're in that 10-pound window, we're not going to turn the light on. Now. Some cars have a 7 up and down, so they have a 14-pound window. <laughs> Some of them have a 5-pound window. So everybody has different windows with respect to the sweet spot. So they're going to take the sweet spot and go up or down between 2 and 10 pounds, and then on the bottom between 2 and 10 pounds. So there's this big window. Number two... Some of the cars just have one light, and they won't tell you which tire it is. Some of the cars will tell you exactly which tire it is. How they do that is, is that in a simplistic way for explanations, let's pretend you have a red, white, and blue, and black uh, pressure monitoring system. So the transmitter inside the tire is red, white, and blue, and black. So we simply have to tell the car which one is on the left front, right front, left rear, right rear. What happens is, is when you do maintenance, number one, you have to make sure you don't damage the monitor. <laughs> <laughs> the transmitter inside the wheel and that's something that we all have done especially when this first came out and seasoned people don't do that anymore because we understand that that could be happening and that typically will cause the light to come on and then the customers coming back and they're usually pretty mad and usually we try to sometimes the shop will try to sell them a monitor and just explain it it went bad coincidentally when in reality they damaged when they changed the tires when we rotate your tires, we also have to tell you have to tell that computer where we put the tires. So the red one's no longer on the left front. The red one's on the right rear. So we have to tell it. And I tell my customers, don't trust which tire it is. Whenever you have a tire pressure problem, too high or too low, then check all of them. Because it's a huge waste of time to just keep checking the right front because the computer keeps saying the right front's low, the right front's low, and you keep checking it. That's because the last person that rotated the tires didn't tell the car that they rotated the tires. So that's why I say to all of you, when you have a tire pressure monitoring system activation, then check all the tires. And if you find out that it says the right front is low, but you find the left rear is low, then take it to your garage and just have them rearrange the sensors. It's a good thing for people. It's a really good thing for people. The problem is, is on the guys with big diesel trucks and stuff, they want to put bigger tires and wheels that we're going to change 
the pressure on the bigger tires and wheels. And oftentimes we go outside the range, which means then we have to reprogram the computer and change the range. So did that answer all your questions? Well, a little bit of an add-on. Uh, is there a battery or something in this thing to make it transmit? And does this battery go dead periodically? Yes. The answer is yes. There is a battery inside. And sometimes you can replace a battery, but most of the times you replace the entire sensor. And I think the overwhelming evidence so far suggests that these are somewhere between, on the low side, four years, and on the high side, eight years um, with time. It's also important to know that some of them will activate when the tire starts spinning, and they'll go to sleep at night, which conserves battery life. Some of them don't do that. So it just depends on your particular car. So at at say six years of life, would this suggest that something should be done to replace the battery or the unit while changing the tires to uh, to save an extra tire repair? That's a great question. Um, I suppose there would be a savings of maybe 50 or $60 in labor if you had all the sensors replaced when you had the tire swap done. Because if we have to go back in, typically we go back in one at a time. So one will you know, go dead and we'll replace that one and then another one will go dead. And I'm saying 50 or $60 because I'm thinking most of the time we're gonna probably charge you um, 10 to $20 a tire to break it down, change the sensor, put it back together and then check the balance and then put it back on your car. So I'm I'm thinking there's probably a I would say easy fifty sixty dollar savings if you did them all now. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who's done that though. You 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 caught me with my proverbial pants down because I, I've never had a customer ask me to do that, and so I've never really given that much thought what the economical way is. But I'm talking in a circle now because that's I'm thinking out loud. But I am convinced that the, there's going to be a savings of of significant labor if you were to do all of them at the same time. But there's also a risk that one of the ones will be bad, but the good about that is it's under warranty, so there should be no charge to you. Does that get it better? Oh, yes, and uh, I'll have to explain. You've just uh, met a real natural warrior, and I'm, I can understand why nobody else has thought of this. Uh, I worry about things that most people don't even realize exist. But anyway, and, I thought it was interesting. No, and, and, you know, one of the things that you can do is um, I, I have a worrier or two that, that comes and does business with me, and, and I would say to them, a week before you come in for your oil change, I want you just to take one tire and just drop the air pressure on it 10 pounds, 20 pounds, whatever. Don't go on the freeway. Stick around town, and the light should come on, and then it should identify the right tire. And so you can kind of test them yourself to make sure that they're awake and they're alive and they're working. So if you wanted to do that over a period of time, just drop the air pressure and do it just before you take it in for an oil change. But don't drop your air pressure in Flagstaff and drive to Phoenix with a tire that's 10 pounds underinflated. I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting smaller uh, smaller divisions if you're on the freeway and, and then if you're going to grab larger divisions if you're going to be at 45 miles an hour and less than that around town. Thank you very much for that, Paul. That was a that was a good conversation. 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960 is the number. Let's go to Bob. Bob, good morning to you. How can I help you? Uh, good morning, Mark. Uh, I've got a tire question. I, um, I've got a Toyota Camry hybrid, 
and I bought new tires 10,000 uh, 10, miles ago. I did not rotate them the first time till 9,500, and then I went 500 miles, and I took a chunk out of the sidewall about the size between a quarter and a half a dollar. And I, what I'm wondering is when they put that new tire on there, when it eventually ends up back on front with one of the older tires, is that going to cause any kind of a problem, different size? No. No, not at all. A front-wheel drive is certainly capable of handling a circumference or a diameter difference between two different cars. And in reality, even if the, how many miles do the tires have on them today? Uh, about ten thousand miles. Oh, well, it, let's just pretend. I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably embarrass myself doing this, but let's just pretend that the tire's gonna last forty thousand miles. So you're twenty-five percent gone on the tire, and that's yeah. if you take it down to the wear bars. So it, let's say it starts with 12 30 seconds of tread. So you've lost 3 30 seconds of tread. So take 3 30 seconds times pi and tell me how many inches that is. <laughs> and then and then you'll see clearly that there's we're not talking about anything big here. <laughs> well, I, the guy did tell me they were warrantying the whole thing on the on the uh, uh, road, road hazard. hazard warranty and he said it was only off like I don't know if it was 1 1500s or 1 30 second but anyhow it was he said they're like new yet so okay and that's great that yeah it, it, this is this is put your worry out of your head hit yourself on the side of the head and knock that out because that's not going to make a doggone bit of difference yeah and i'm kind of impressed that they warrantied that did you pay for that service or was it provided to you for free uh that uh costco so they do it uh, for free i believe it's okay. included in the cost don't get me wrong okay but, yeah all right and that's that's it's how many road hazards have you had? Um, I think this is my second one, not okay. with this car, but with a previous car. And that's okay. That's the question I ask people who want road hazard: is is how often have you had a road hazard? And yeah. you're the first person in years and years that's admitted to two. Yeah. It, it, most everybody, I'd say, sixty, seventy percent of the people say I've never had a road hazard. And so I say to them, why would you pay for it? if yeah. you've never really had it. Yeah. Now, of course, unless your wife hits curbs a lot, and she does that on a regular basis, and I'm not yeah. going to touch that subject, buddy. Yeah. Um, I got one other question. Have you? I'm trying to figure out where I did this, and I, I discovered it after I went through a car wash, you know, where they pull you through there and they spray you and all that stuff. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Any, any chance that I could have done that at a car wash? Do you run across that at all? Actually, I own a car wash, and, 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 and I'm going to tell you that normally we're spraying water and soap all over the front tires, and then there are guide rails that are round pieces of pipe. Right. And uh, there there is a possibility you could go back there and look um, and, and look at the rail on the side of the tire, on the side of the car. Um, you could also ask the owner if he's had any tire, other tire people. Yeah. But if I were the owner and I didn't have this problem, I would walk you through that car wash real quick and show you that there's yeah. nothing there to do that. But there's always a possibility that somebody dinged that rail and broke it. And then, but if that's the case, I'm going to have a slew of tire damages. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm going to know about it. So yeah. that's my answer. All righty? Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. When we come back, we'll take your call, 602 960 My name is Mark Salem. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. 22 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. My name is Mark Salem, and we're here talking about cars and car repair. The phone number is 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. And this portion is, of Under the Hood is brought to you by Larry Harker's Auto Repair. 
They've been in the central Phoenix area since 1967. Bob and Ellen are the owners of Larry Harker's Auto Repair, and they do fast, affordable services. They do auto electrical work, brake service, auto emissions, vehicle maintenance. But what Bob really is a master in is diagnosing problems. They can find out why your vehicle failed emissions, and they have the equipment to repair it and test it and verify that they did what they said they're going to do. They service and repair both foreign and domestic vehicles. And so if you're anywhere near 38th Avenue and Indian School, I don't have another shop within five miles of them that's been able to pass the muster. But Larry Harker's is a real gem and been around a very long time, and Bob and Ellen are the nicest folks you're likely to meet in a car repair shop. So 38th Avenue and Indian School, Larry Harker's Auto Repair. Joe, good morning to you. How can I help you this morning? Well, I think I have something right up your alley. It's a Chevrolet, so I know you'll be happy to talk about it. And okay. what I have is a, a 2003 uh, Chevy Cavalier, and it's got electric windows. Uh, the It's got the main uh, con in the console, the four switches, and then it, on each door it has a up-and-down switch. Um, on the passenger side rear, the window goes down beautifully, but then when you go to roll it back up, it goes up a quarter inch of it at a time, and then you wait about 15 seconds, push it again, it goes up a quarter inch. Um, and it doesn't matter if you use the console button or the rear door button. Got any ideas on that? Yeah, the regulator's dirty, bent, broken, or loose. Okay. And so the weight of the window is overcoming the restriction. But uh-huh. then when you start going back up, and if I were if I were going to pull the the relay out and I put an amp draw meter on there, I'd see that on the way down the amp draw is 3, 4, 5 amp, mm-hmm. but on the way up we're, we're hitting 20 amps as okay. every time you hit it. Okay. Now, if you take your finger mm-hmm. and kind of help it, I uh-huh. bet it'll go up smoothly, smoothly, smoothly because you're taking the weight off the regulator. Keep in mind, the regulator looks like a pair of scissors in right. the door. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think you have a regulator problem. Now, you don't always have to replace the regulator. If you can get in there and grease it and clean all the grease out of it, somebody may have spilled a soda pop down in there and everything's okay. all sticky. Uh-huh. But sometimes there'll be a weld that's broke, and uh-huh. what what most of us do, we'll just put a small carriage bolt in there or put a pop rivet in there okay. and just leave it the way it is. Okay. So you don't have to replace it. But if you take the door panel off, I promise you, you'll see the problem. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, good luck to you. Thank you very much. And Joe was just teasing, folks, because Chevrolets don't break, and he, and that was probably a call about a Ford, but he was just teasing, and I, I appreciate that. Larry, good morning to you. How can I help you? Good morning, Mark. I've got a uh, 2001 uh, Toyota 4Runner uh, two-wheel drive. I uh, got the tires rotated uh, front to back, which was fine. However, yeah. the following day, when I started the car, Three lights came on, the check engine light, the traction control light, and the traction off light. All three came on, and they they stay on. They've stayed on, and someone had said to me, uh, if you disconnect the battery, that'll reset something. So I had that done, which it actually worked, however, just for one day, and then the following day, the same three lights uh, would come back on. Okay. The answer to your question is, is no one knows whose fault this is until we know what it is. And so what has to happen is, is we have to plug in not a code reader, but a scanner, and we have to talk to the car. So the, the, the procedure that you're likely to spend 75 to $125 for is this. 
I'm going to hop into your car, I'm going to plug into your car, and I'm going to tell my computer, I'm talking to this car. I say good morning, your computer says good morning, and I go to the traction control division or the folder. Now, as I drive down the road, I want to see every single one of the tires spinning, and I want to see them all spin in the same speed. <laughs> so when I'm doing 35, I want to see 35, 35, 35, 35. It's very likely that it's going to be 35, 35, 0, 35. So it's possible. My guys have done it before during a tire rotation that they'll knock off the connection or they'll break a wire on one of what we call the speed sensor that's attached to each one of the four moving wheels. So this speed sensor is typically at the very back of the backing plate. It's in an area that we wouldn't normally be on a tire rotation, but no, no, you know, until you know what what it is, you don't know whose fault it is. If you get there and the wire's been cut. Um, and it's in the place where they put the floor jack, then you can go back to them and say, would you look at this, and if it's your fault, can you fix it? Uh, on the other hand, if the sensor's bad and the connection is good, then it's not likely they did anything because it would be very difficult. I, even if you paid me $100 to damage one of your sensors, unless I physically damaged it, I couldn't make it go bad and still look good. So that would be just something that's the, the, the luck of the draw. So that's that's what has to happen. All right, real good. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome, Bye. sir. Thank you. And let's see, Bob. I think I can get your question, but I won't get the answer because I got to be out in about a minute and a half. But let's get the let's get the circumstances. Go ahead. Hi, Mark. I own a 2006 Zara Hyundai Limited, okay. and about uh, seven years ago, uh, it started to well it. It wouldn't start. My wife was in a parking lot, hot summer. And now, throughout the years, this has happened. Whether the car is heated or overnight, we go out and it won't start. The starter no. cranks that engine like crazy, but it won't start. And then we sit around for five, six minutes, and it starts. And um, Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Let, let me ask you a question. Um, how many times do you have to try the key in the first three, four, five minutes before it starts? Is it do you usually start on the second try? No, maybe the Third? fourth or fifth or sixth. Okay, all right. Okay, well, you stay right there because I'm coming up on a break. I've got to take a break, and I'm going to dwell on this. You said it was an 06 Hyundai. But I think we have a fuel pressure problem, and I'm going to describe to you a test that you can do to verify it is fuel and then this will save you some diagnostic time if you do what I'm going to suggest you do. So stick around for that. 602-508-0960. we got open lines available. 602-508-0960. We'll be back with Bob right after this. Welcome back, everybody. 34 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. My name is Mark Salem, and I'm an ASE Master Certified Technician, and I've been a Master Certified Technician for 25 years, and I've had to recertify every five years, and there's eight tests, and they ain't easy. 
And so I've been doing radio since 1988, and I'm here to help you. I have your interest in front of my own. I'm not interested in making money on your back. I'm interested in helping you get your car fixed right. 602-508-0960. This portion of Under the Hood is brought to you by Quality Transmission. All transmission overhauls are not the same, and it depends on whether we're going to go in and just fix the problem. Otherwise, we might have 800 to 1,000 moving parts, and one of them is bad, so we just fix the one and we hope like heck that it'll make it through the warranty period. Or we go in and we replace all the wear components. Everything that moves, everything that's going to wear out, we replace it. And we put you back the way you were with the car was brand new. That's a big difference. But quality transmission, you know what? They're reputable. They're going to do what they say. They're going to use the correct parts. And if you have a problem, they're going to take care of it with no hassle. So we all know how it feels to be taken for a ride and sold something you don't need, but Quality Transmission and Tempe will give you honest answers about your transmission problems and repairs, and they'll drive your car and talk to you for free. So Bob or Steve at Quality Transmission on McClintock, north of University in Tempe, is a go-to transmission place for the East Valley. Okay, we were talking to Bob about his Hyundai, and Bob has what we call an extended crank. So the car cranks and cranks and cranks but doesn't start, and he described it beautifully, and he also said it made no difference if it was hot or cold. Sometimes you have an extended crank cold or an extended crank hot, but in this case, Bob, I think you have both, right? Yes. Okay. Here's the deal. When we turn the key to the on position, the computer turns on the electric fuel pump inside the tank. Now, when you parked it last, it might have had 40 pounds of pressure in the fuel system, and under the very best of conditions, it will have 40 pounds a day later or a week later. The system is designed to hold pressure. Apparently, yours is losing pressure in one of three places. So it could be the check valve in the fuel pump, it could be the fuel pressure regulator, or it could be the fuel pump itself. So there's three different places we can lose pressure. So here's how you're going to help yourself diagnose it, and you're going to save yourself a lot of diagnostic money. When you turn the key on, the computer turns the fuel pump on for about three seconds, and if it sees the engine start, then it keeps the fuel pump on all the time. Well, in your case, when you crank five, six, seven seconds, the computer has already turned the fuel pump off. It thinks, okay, well, I see 200 RPM, which is cranking speed, but I don't see six or 700 RPM, which is engine running. So this is what I want you to try. When you get into the car and you know it's going to happen, I want you to turn the key to the on position, but not to the crank position, just on. And I want you to count to five, then turn the key off. Then do that three more times, maybe four more times. Turn the key on, one, two, three, four, five, turn the key off. Turn the key on, one, two, three, four, five, and turn the key off. What we're doing is we're priming the fuel system. We're using that three seconds to build pressure. At the end of the second or the third or the fourth, turn the key on and turn it off, start the car, and I'll bet you dollars to donuts it starts every time. And then that verifies that you could have an injector leaking, you could have a bad fuel pressure regulator, you could have a, a bad check valve, or you could have a bad fuel pump. There's four different reasons that would happen. But you've just saved yourself 
$75 worth of diagnostic fee if you can regurgitate that to your repair shop. Okay? Oh, uh, they, if, if they do it, can they tell which one it is? Yes, that's the diagnostic procedure. What you've told them is, is you've told them by your testing that clearly you are losing pressure. Okay. You clearly, you are using pressure. You are not maintaining fuel pressure in the system. So at that point, here's what, what you do. I would go back and grab the return line, and I'd pinch it overnight. And if the pressure was there the next morning and it wasn't there the day before, then I would say, bingo, the fuel pressure regulator is bad. But if I pinched off that return line and it still dropped pressure, then it would be the fuel pump or leaking injector. So there is a process that we do to determine which one of those four it is. But you just tell them, this is what Mark said to do, and doing it that way, it starts every time. And okay. that tells the garage that you well, are losing pressure Well, we've had it to the dealer several times, and they, can't, they haven't fixed it, but maybe they don't. Uh, maybe I haven't yeah. described it, but thank you. Okay, good luck to you. Thank, Thank you very much, Bob. Much, Larry, you're welcome. You're welcome. Larry, you stay right there because I only got 15 seconds in this segment, but I'll be back in about three minutes and I'll take you. And that means we have four lines available 602 508 602 And we come back, we're going to talk to Larry first, and then we're going to talk about a rear brake squeal, an Audi transmission, and a Jaguar with a bad knock sensor. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. 44 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. We're going to go till noon today, and uh, we're talking about car and car repair questions and problems, and you're welcome to join us. Larry's next, but if you'd like to join us, the phone lines are wide open right now, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. This portion of Under the Hood is brought to you by Kurtz Auto Repair. I know Kurt at Kurtz Auto Repair like I know all the owners on the best car repair shops list. Those guys are good, and Kurt is double good. Kurt is at Bell Road and I-17, northeast corner. He's been around a long time. It's a family-owned and operated auto repair shop, and they just won the Better Business Bureau Ethics Award for their classification, and it's by employees. So Kurt has a small business category, and he won that award on the recent Better Business Bureau Ethics Award dinner. That says a lot. They opened their doors in 1987, and Kurtz Auto Repair has been working on domestic and import cars, both gas and diesel, ever since 1987, and he has ASE certified technicians. So, again, Kurtz Auto Repair is at I-17 in Bell, northeast corner. If you don't have a shop and live in that area, may I suggest that you try Kurtz Auto Repair. Larry, good morning. How can I help you today? Uh, I've got a 2012 Hyundai, and I called one of the shops on your list, uh, one of the transmission shops, to have the transmission fluid changed. And they told me that the car was too new, that they didn't have any of the information from the dealer yet, uh, or from the manufacturer yet. So I went to the dealer to have the fluid changed and told them about a second issue I was having, that my check engine light comes on, but then okay. it goes off in like five miles or maybe 200 miles, it goes back off. So after I had, when they... They told me that there was an update they had to do on the computer. So they did okay. the update. They changed the fluid in the transmission. Now the transmission shifts, shifts flawlessly. But when it's cold, 
it whines really bad. When it's cold outside, worse than when it's warm outside. But when the engine's cold, it whines like a pool pump cavitating for water. Um, But then once the engine warms up, or if it's like last weekend when it was 70, it makes no noise. Well, very little whine. But when the engine's warm, it doesn't want to go into reverse. If I put it in neutral and rev it to like 1,500 RPM and then put it in reverse, it goes in fine. But if I just put it in reverse... Okay, 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 okay. okay. All right. Um, how much did they charge you to change your fluid? <laughs> uh, like 429 bucks. Okay, all right. And um, did you look in the owner's manual to see when the fluid was supposed to be changed maintenance-wise? Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, I think it said every 100000 Okay, do you have 100000 on it yet? Yeah, double that. Okay. You got 200000 on a, on a, a three-year-old car? Uh, two, two thirteen. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Um, I think your symptoms clearly show that they did not get the fluid to the proper amount, and I'm sure they didn't do that on purpose. Um, I'm going to stick up for them and say that happens to the best of us. It's no longer a dipstick kind of atmosphere. You have to have special equipment. You have to open lines. You have to fill based on this little window. Blah blah blah. But the symptoms you describe are exactly the symptoms of somebody who didn't get it completely full. So it's cavitating. It it has what we call delayed reverse engagement. And and then you rev it up and you're 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 now you're pumping foamy fluid and it's cavitating like crazy because that's what foamy fluid creates and then all of a sudden boom it goes into reverse. And that's so exactly everything that, Okay. Everything you're talking about means that tells me that that needs maybe another quart or two or three. (laughs) And I think what you do, if I can make a suggestion, because I don't want to beat him up, beat up the dealer. I don't want to beat up anybody. I think it's a nice thing to do is just call the service writer and say, you gave me a problem I didn't have before. It appears it's cavitating. There's, I have delayed reverse engagement. And I looked it up on the internet and there was quite a few people that talked about on a transmission that it wasn't completely full or it was a quart or two low on fluid. So I'd like to bring it back to you and have you look at it. When can I do that? Then when you get there, you say to them, with all due respect to the service writer, um, I, I, uh, I'm not authorizing you to spend any money of mine. Um, I think I'd like to wait to see what, what you find, and then I'll, I'll decide what I want to do. So right now I'm not authorizing any funds out of my pocket. And there should be no problem. Okay. All right. Yeah. I I was wondering if maybe that uh, computer update they did might have caused that issue. But I, no. I, I was thinking all of, my thought all along was it was low on fluid. It should been reverse fine when it's cold, just not when okay. it's warm. Well, the fluid level changes from when it's warm to when it's hot. So okay. at, at, so the delayed engagement in reverse is, is typically, a, well, it's either a hard internal seals or it's, but if it's hard internal seals, you'd have it every morning when it's cold, every single morning, but you wouldn't have the wine. So your symptoms were perfect. The symptoms when, that you gave are perfect. You, you hit virtually every one of them. So I think you just take okay. it back and be nice to them. Good luck, Larry. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, sir. You betcha. Charlie, good morning to you. How can I help you? Good morning, sir. Thank you for your time. You bet. I've got a 99 Subaru. Had quite a few problems.
problems with. And now the darn thing, uh, it would it, when it starts, it runs really, really smoothly. Shut it off. Wait a little while, it won't start again. Now it's to the point where it won't fire. It uh, does a little backfiring if you try to start it. So I quit doing all that. Can you recommend somebody that specializes in Subarus to maybe put that on a, one of those machines and and analyze it? Well, that's a fallacy that the machine's going to tell us what's wrong with it. In your particular case, the backfiring tells me it's running lean. And okay. I think you have a fuel delivery problem because I think your symptoms match your fuel delivery problem. Have you yeah. replaced the fuel filter? Uh, we replaced the fuel pump. You know, Philip's okay. a pretty good mechanic. He helps me out. And, uh, I don't think we replaced the fuel filter. Come okay. to think of it, but uh, I, that sounds pretty simple. Is, is, is it pretty easy to find? Yeah, but, but let me ask you another question. When it does start and run... Um, will it do 70 miles an hour? Yes, sir. It's a, it's a run a little bit. It's got a little four-cylinder okay. uh, engine. All right. The reason I ask you that is because is the demand and supply for fuel to the engine at 70 is pretty high. Yeah. If the fuel filter is plugged up, that would eliminate you doing 70. If the fuel filter is plugged up, then it will let you do 48 but not 49. Does that make sense? It does. And I haven't driven it at 70 in quite a while. Uh, come to think of it, it, uh, it hasn't been running good enough to even take it out on the road. Okay. Um, and, and I know it's not, it, I don't think it's fuel injected. I, I think it's still carbureted, is it not? Or is it fuel no, injected? It, it's fuel injected. Okay. So if it's fuel injected, there is a specification to check fuel pressure. And so there's going to be a Schrader valve, or we're going to have to disconnect the line and put a banjo joint in there, and and we're going to have a specification, and then we're going to check fuel pressure during the time you say that it's acting up, which is probably on a cold morning. And right. and so it, we're going to look at that specification. There, The fuel pump sends fuel forward to the fuel injection system, but then there's a return line that goes back to the tank. Then there's there's going to be a check valve in that line called a fuel pressure regulator that when you throttle up hard, it closes that gate and doesn't let any fuel go back to the tank because it knows you're, you're racing that Ford Mustang next to you. So yeah. when you're cruising down the, the, down the mountain and your foot's completely off the gas, then it will open the gate and just recirculate fuel through the system because you're not asking for any fuel. If that's bad... It sticks in the open position, which prevents fuel pressure from building. So it could be fuel pressure regulator, or it could be the check valve in the fuel pump area. Did you replace the entire assembly in the tank, or did you just replace the fuel pump itself? It was the entire assembly. Okay, that's good, because it came with the sending unit at the same time, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, the gauge works, yeah. Yeah. So so that that's a good thing. So that points towards it's probably not that unless this occurred right after you started this problem or had this problem. So you replaced the fuel pump, and then shortly after that, you, this occurred. It could be a part that's defective, but it's more than likely going to be an injector that's leaking at the engine. Let me ask you another question. When you start the car up and finally get it running, does it blow black smoke? No, sir. Uh, it blow a little bit of white smoke. Okay. Well, the black smoke. Okay, the I mean, black the, the smoke, smoke means, quit. okay, the black smoke, if you had a fuel injector, 
that at 40 pounds of pressure, you park it at night. The fuel injector leaks. It fills one cylinder full of gasoline. The pressure drops to zero. Hence, you have a problem getting it started. When you get it running, we got to deal with all that gas in that cylinder, and that's going to cause a cloud of black smoke. That's why I ask you. Just thinking okay. maybe maybe you have an injector that's leaking. White smoke is important on a Subaru because white smoke is typically coolant. Now, when you drive that car, um, if it's got a burnt head gasket or a cracked head or if it's got a, what we call a combustion leak, then the compression overcomes the cooling system, and we keep water out of the cylinder. But when you park it, then the 16, 17 pounds, 13 to 15 pounds of cooling system pressure will then fill a cylinder with water. It'll be a really tough to get that thing running. Even if the fuel system is up to par, it's hard to get it running. And when you do, you'll get white smoke as we burn the coolant and send it out the tailpipe. So to answer your question, I think anybody can diagnose this. What part of town do you live in? Uh, sort of East Mesa. Okay. I would take it to Thompson's Auto Repair at Stapley in Maine. I would tell them two things. I like how you described the fact that when you finally get it running, it backfires and runs really poorly. I like the white smoke symptom. I like that a lot. And then tell him you put a new fuel pump in it so he doesn't he doesn't spend a lot of time other than check the pressure of that new pump. That's all he'll do. But you don't have to. This is a basic car. Don't forget that this car is 15, 16 years old. So a lot of us gray-haired guys, and Brian over there at the Thompson's been working on cars that long, and he's got gray hair, so he's not going to be afraid of your 99 Subaru. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Charlie. Good luck to you. Yes, sir. So you bet. So we've got a uh, a guy. Uh, do we have any other callers, Jeremy? Okay, all right, so I'll just do a couple of emails. I've got a Chrysler with rear brakes. They squeal in reverse, and the dealer says there's uh, they can't find anything wrong. Okay, well, I think what the dealer should have said was, is, sir, if they only squeal in reverse, they're not designed to work in reverse. <laughs> brakes are designed to work in a forward gear, and how much money do you want to spend to fix this? But in reality, what's going on is the brake pads are no longer being held securely into the rear calipers, so they're vibrating like a guitar string, and this would necessitate a hardware kit, a rear disc brake hardware kit. And then we would also bevel the top edge of the both rear pads so that we didn't have a sharp edge there which causes the pad to rock back and forth and squeal. So I'm quite sure that if we put a hardware kit in there and we uh, machine the rotors and we do a little bit of grinding on the the leading edge of the pad when it's in reverse which means that the rotors are, are the driver's side rotor is rotating clockwise because that's reverse um, then that would take care of it and to have a shop do that would probably be in the 50 to $100 range, depending on their labor price. So that would take care of that. I also have a Jaguar, and this guy's got a Jaguar with the knock sensors, and uh, it is a convoluted uh, story about somebody says this, somebody says this, somebody says the Internet this, and the Internet that. They say that you shouldn't do the two knock sensors because they're really expensive and just live with it and all this other kind of stuff. Folks, let me tell you how easy it is to test a knock sensor. <laughs> I'm going to plug in my, not my code reader, that little cigarette pack that the guy, that three-whiskered kid has at the auto parts store. That's not what I'm plugging in. That thing's $39. I'm going to plug in a $14,000 scanner, and I'm going to communicate with your car. So I'm going to plug the scanner in, 
and I'm going to walk over to the car, and I'm going to start it up, and I'm going to look in, at the knock sensor, and I'm going to take a hammer, and I'm going to do this. And when I hit the car on the alternator bracket or on the head or on the side of the block, I'm going to watch the two knock sensors, and if they go from no to yes, then they're working. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with the knock sensors. Now i got to listen to the motor to determine if the motor's got a broken bracket that's saying a knock and the knock sensor's picking it up. So it's pretty easy to deal with this kind of thing as long as you know what to do. But fixing your car based on what everybody says in the internet, you're guessing with strangers' ideas, you're spending your hard-earned money based on some guy in St. Louis who's guessing about the repair of your car. And I'll fix, I'll diagnose it cheaper than he will. We'll be back. Of you who love to give thoughtful holiday cards that are a true reflection of you. For all of you who love the holiday cards you send to make it to the mantles and refrigerators. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 